Let's go to the word. How many of us have hit a ceiling in our life? How many of us have, have hit an obstacle that seemed like no matter what, when I try to start doing something, when I try to start going, when I try to start pushing, it seems like I, I, I can never get past that obstacle. Have y'all ever felt that way before? Like, like I, I know God's called me to do something, and I know I'm supposed to go from, from A to B to C. God showed me my next step, but, but every time I try, there seems to be a ceiling, or there seems to be an obstacle, or there seems to be something. How many of y'all have ever had a storm in your life? How many of y'all know about Hurricane Dorian out there circulating right now? Right? And, and actually, before we leave, I, I, I meant to do this earlier, but I'd like for us to spend a moment, and y'all help me remember to do this if I forget, if I get to preaching and forget, but I want to pray for, for, for pray that hurricane away. You know, I was in a prayer meeting in, in Florence when Pastor Steve was Wednesday morning. Y'all remember Hurricane Florence? Aptly named Hurricane Florence. It was supposed to hit South Carolina dead on at like a... a I think a category four, kind of similar to what they called Hurricane Dorian. And it was supposed to hit us. And if, if you're not from around here, if you don't know, hurricane season, it, it, it's, you know, everything shuts down. I mean, they, they declare a state of emergency, and, I mean, people just go berserk, all right? I'm sure milk is already flying off the shelves and bread is already gone and stuff like that. I mean, it's just, that's just how it goes. People want to be prepared. Um, I, I, and I remember sitting in this prayer meeting, and we were talking about whether we should cancel church, what should we do, because it was supposed to hit that weekend. And in that prayer meeting, something came on Pastor Steve, and by the Spirit, he spoke to that storm. I mean, he, in the prayer meeting, I remember, he just said, and it wasn't like some big, you know, super spiritual thing. He just, by faith, said, you know what? I, we don't have to accept that storm. That storm doesn't have to hit land. It doesn't have to affect lives and, and terror. In the name of Jesus, I speak that that storm will slow down, that it will dissolve to nothing, and he began to just kind of speak to the situation. And so then after that, even though by faith he had spoke, after that he said, you know what would be the wise, we actually went to a staff meeting, and he said it would be the wise thing to do to cancel church. I think we should just cancel church. And that wasn't an anti-faith thing. He just was exercising wisdom. See, before, actually, Brother Foster, it's interesting that you're here, because was it Hurricane Matthew? that Pastor Steve was on vacation, and you guys were fairly new to the church, and uh, if y'all don't know, they're from Florence as well, but, but <laughs> I, was, I was a staff administrator, and at the time, Pastor Steve was out of town, I don't remember the whole story, but he was out of town, and Brother Foster was supposed to fill in, and Hurricane Matthew hit, and it was way worse than anybody expected, but on one side of town, it was so weird. And my side of town is pretty good. I was able to make it to church, no problem. So I get to church, and there's a few power issues, but I start calling everybody, and I'm like, no, we're having church. We don't cancel church. We don't cancel church at Family Worship Center. Well, I don't know that Brother Foster's got about 100 trees down between him and the church and all this stuff. And so I call him, and being a, a great man of God and just being submitted to the church and Pastor Steve and everything, he said, oh, okay. And I actually think we actually canceled, recalled it, and then... Right? Something like that. And then we, we canceled it and then recalled is actually what happened, if I remember correctly. Sorry, I didn't plan to tell this story. I didn't know they were going to be here. And so anyways, he shows up and he's kind of mad at me. Because he's like, I can't believe we're having church. I can't believe this, you know. But I'm going to do it. And he preached a good word and it was great. We had a good service. But this has already happened before. 
where we had had, and it, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. And so pastor said, all right, this Hurricane Florence is coming. Let's just cancel it. You guys may want to get out. The staff may want to get out, get to safety, get, you know, somewhere safe. You know, we, my, my family and I, you know, obviously we have two little girls. I didn't particularly want them to be maybe without power for a long period of time or something like that. So we went up north to see Natalie's family. People went around and all that. Well, lo and behold, that storm was category four rolling in. And all of a sudden it started slowing down. And it was going to hit Saturday, and now it's maybe hitting Sunday. And then it turned to Category 3 and slowed down some more, and maybe now it's hitting Sunday evening. And I think it finally made landfall like Sunday evening sometime or something like that. Uh, maybe even Monday, I can't remember. But it didn't, when it hit, I think it was only a Category 1 when it hit. It was way less than what it was supposed to be. It actually hit more in North Carolina than it did in South Carolina. And, um, and there were trees down. We actually we had gone north. We couldn't get back because of the interstate. And I know that there was damage, there was stuff like that, but, but, but my point is that, that by faith, and I believe we weren't the only ones praying, but we all prayed, we all agreed, and that storm, I watched it slow down. I watched it do exactly what we had prayed, that it would slow down, that it would dissolve, and that the effects would be minimized. I mean, the storm was out there. There was no denying the storm, Right? The storm was there. The storm was coming. We had all the information, but by faith we were able to confess a new outcome over the storm. In life, there's going to be storms. You and I are going to have storms. Things are going to come. There's going to be natural storms like Hurricane Dorian. There's going to be thunderstorms, lightning storms, things like that. There's also going to be life storms. Sometimes you're going to just be in a storm. Maybe you even made the storm. Maybe the storm is your fault. Maybe it's someone else's fault. Your boss, your family, coworker, whatever. Maybe, maybe it's a storm from the devil. But it's important that when we're facing storms, when we're facing obstacles, when we're facing things, that we understand how to get past them and how to overcome. I want to share with you a couple of scriptures that will be kind of the start of this and then we'll go a little bit further. But Psalm 34, 19, Psalm 34, 19 says this, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord, the Lord delivers us out of them all. I want you to say all with me. Say all. Come on, say it again. Say all. The Lord delivers us out of them all. The afflictions are many. I mean, if we're living righteous, we can expect there to be some afflictions. We can expect there to be some storms. We can expect... For things to happen, the Bible also says that it rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on everybody. Here's my point. That we don't need to be surprised when there's a storm. We need to know how to overcome it. And we need to know that God's going to deliver us out of it. And if God's already provided that deliverance, then I need to know how to receive it. I need to know how to walk in it. I mean, listen. This doesn't make any sense to me why if, if God's delivered us out of every storm, if God's delivered us out of every affliction, then why do Christians still go through affliction? Or why, better yet, we know why, because it says that it's going to happen, but let me, let me rephrase that. Why do they stay in it? Why do they live in it? 
Because I'm not supposed to live in it. I'm, I'm not called by God to do what I'm supposed to do. And when affliction comes for me just to go, oh, well, let me just pick up my cross. Yes, I'm, I'm picking up my cross. I'm carrying my cross. That's what God told me to do. But he told me to do that because on the cross, he, bear, he bore everything that I so I don't have to bear sickness and disease. So I don't have to be poor. So I don't have to, so that I have salvation and grace to do everything I'm called to do. So why do I stay? Why would I stay in the affliction? Why would I stay in the storm? How many of y'all, let's go back to the storm thing for just a second. I, when I was little, um, if you're from South Carolina, you might remember Hurricane Hugo. Apparently I slept through it. I'm a hard sleeper. But growing up, I've been in these storms. I've been to Hurricane Matthew. And Hurricane Matthew, I remember the, when the power went out. How many of y'all have ever been in a storm when the power went out? When it went like 100 miles an hour winds or something like that, crazy winds. And you can feel the house shaking. And you can feel the, the I mean, think about how powerful that wind must be. And this is just like a minimal, I mean, that, that storm, I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't supposed to be that bad. I don't even know if it was 100 miles an hour winds. I don't even think it was. I think it was just the way it hit the time of year and all that stuff. My point is this. I didn't want to be there. I did not want to be there anymore. I regretted the decision that I stayed. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to go. I wanted to take my family, and I wanted to leave. I wanted to go to shelter. I wanted to be in a hotel somewhere else. I did not want to be in that storm. I didn't have an option at the time without endangering our family, so I had to stay. But if I had an option, if I could have teleported my little family out of that house and buzzed my way up to somewhere else in a nice hotel with air conditioning and power and a hot shower, praise God, I would have done it. I didn't like the candlelight dinner. Not that way. Candlelight dinner is supposed to be the other way, like on purpose, not, not, not out of necessity because the power went out. I didn't want to stay there. Why then... Would we as Christians stay in a storm, just live in it? Almost like it's a badge of honor. It makes me honestly kind of sad and kind of sick to my stomach to see Christians like, like it's something they're like proud of. Like, oh, I'm just, I'm really going through it. Well, 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 well let's help you get out of it. Because you're not supposed to continue going through it. No, no again, something's probably going to happen at some point or another the devil's going to throw something at you life is going to throw something at you there, there might just be a bad mistake that you made I, I've told you my stories of how I got in debt in college that was a storm it was my fault but God delivered me out of it he gave me the method he gave me the how he gave me the, the, the why he gave me the, 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 need, the, the seed to sow so that I could sow my way out of it I didn't have to stay in that and he's continued to bless us financially. My point is, is I didn't have to stay there. I could have. But I didn't have to. And I'm not supposed to. So, what should we do then? What should we do? Let's check this out. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Now, obviously, this verse here is talking about the things that, that, that the, the devil has, the, the way that he's um, filled the earth with, with principalities and powers and all kinds of stuff. But what he's saying here is, you have, if you are of God, you are of God and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who's in the world? The devil. And greater is he that is in you. Greater is he 
that is in you than he that's in the world. Jesus already overcame it. He said, I have overcome them. That means that you are an overcomer and you should be overcoming storms. So again, we need to know and understand, okay, okay, I get it. I hear you. By faith, I get it. I should be overcoming storms, but how? All right, JT, I get it. When, when, when I see the storm coming, how do I walk out of it? How do I do it? Well, let's look a little bit further. Romans 1.17 says this. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live or the just shall live by faith. I, I think this is incredible wording. The just shall live by faith. Now that means that, that I should be living by faith. But also, by faith I live. I don't know if you got it. It might have went over your head a little bit. I want you to regather your thoughts. Focus in. Check this out. The just shall live by faith. That means my life should be a life of faith. But also, when I live a life of faith, I get to live. I live by faith. My life is full. My life is what it should be and what it could be and what it's supposed to be by faith. Because if I'm a, if I'm a righteous man or woman of God and I'm, I'm, I've committed my ways and my heart to God, then if I live by faith, he will take care of me. And even though afflictions are going to come, even though storms are going to come, then I know that by faith I can live. The just shall live by faith. I need you guys to get this because if we go further, you've got to understand this is just like everything else, a faith principle. But I want to give you also some practical things to go along with it. A few notes on storms. A few things that we must understand about storms. Number one, uh, if you want to take notes, I encourage you to take notes. Write this stuff down. Maybe you want to put it on your phone, put it in a note. It helps, it helps to, to uh, retain stuff when you take notes. Number one, we should be prepared for storms. We should be prepared. Again, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. There, there, there are many. They're going to happen. We should not be shocked when they show up. We shouldn't be shocked. As a matter of fact, that's why the Bible tells us to put on the armor of God every day. Because at some point during that day, it's more than likely that something's going to show up trying to poke you trying to prod you, trying to stop you, trying to flip you, trying to hurt you. That's why it's so important that we have a church, we have a church family, that we have a word in us, that we have something that, 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 that guards us so that we know, hey, I've got armor of God and it protects me. I'm not afraid of a storm. I'm not shocked when it shows up. As a matter of fact, I know how to overcome it. John 16, says this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In me, in Jesus, we have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Hallelujah. Be of good cheer. Listen, you're going to have tribulation, but don't worry. Don't worry, buddy. Listen, I got you. Be of good cheer. Be cheerful. Put a smile on your face because I have overcome the world. Put a smile on I know it's coming. I know it's there. I know it looks worse and you weren't, you, you, you should have been expecting it, but you weren't. Or maybe you weren't expecting it that way. It came away, I, you know, your job was good, but now all of a sudden they hate you and they cut you. And you don't have a job and it was a great job. You love that job. That job was awesome. 
You're healthy. You're awesome. You know, you, you work out. You do all this stuff. But then all of a sudden you get a bad report from the doctor. You weren't expecting that. Be of good cheer. I've already overcome that. He said, I've already overcome that bad report. I've already overcome that tribulation. I've already overcome that affliction. I've already overcome the storm. I've already overcome it. Number two, we need to know where storms come from. You got to know where the storm comes from. I've already kind of hit this in many other sermons and even a little bit earlier today. But we fight the world, we fight the flesh, and we fight the devil. If you want to write anything down, I'd write that down. You got to know where the storm comes from. It comes from, the, it comes from the world. Maybe it's just a circumstance, a happenstance of just the world we live in. We live in a world where storms happen, both natural and, like I said, life storms happen. Recessions happen. And when a recession happens in the economy, jobs get cut. What we want to do is we want to have faith and we want to believe that it ain't going to be my job. And if it is my job, then God's got another job. And God's got a way to supply all my needs. And I don't care whether they, if they don't need me, then God's got a place for me somewhere else. And that's the attitude we've got to have. That's the attitude we've got to have. And see, when you know, see, that's the, that's the thing about this. Is that if you think that the storm is coming from God, then how can you have faith to change it? How can you have faith? You've got to know that when so, if it's good, then I know it's from God. The Bible tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father above, whom does not change like shifting shadows. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means that if you are seeing something, if you're seeing something negative in your life, if you're seeing a tragedy, a storm, something terrible in your life, then you've got to know where it came from. Because if, it's, if you believe it's from God, then you don't have, I mean, then how can you ask him to change it? You have to just live in it. Doesn't make any sense. Why would he say he would deliver you out of afflictions if he's going to give them to you? Doesn't make any sense. So please don't listen to all the, I, 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 I know there's a lot of really good preachers out there and they preach real good and they make it sound real good and they put that ha on it or whatever and they make it sound all nice and they got the good reverb on the microphone and the good organ behind them and all that stuff and it sounds real good. The God is just teaching you and he's trying to teach you a lesson. That's my best, that's my best reenactment. That's all I got. That's all I can do. But that's how, and they make it sound real good. That God's teaching you, but, but, but here's what I want to, I want to just flip that. What if God's not teaching you through it, but in it, he'll bring you out of it and teach you how to not go there again? Isn't that a much better way to look at it? Isn't that a much better perspective on the storm that God didn't bring the storm, God didn't put me in the storm, either the devil did, I did, or the world did. But whatever it is, God will deliver me right out of it, and then he'll teach me. He says that, the Bible says he works all things for the good. That means he'll work it for the good, he'll work it out for me, bless me, even though, even if it was me, even if it was my storm, even if it was my mess, he'll deliver me out of it, because he said all, right? I'll deliver you out of them all. He'll deliver me out of it. Then, I believe, if we ask him, he'll teach us how to not do it again. He's taught me how to not get in that debt mess that I was in when I was in college. He's shown me how to budget. He's shown me how to fix 
my finances so that never happens to, to me again. And I'm going to teach my children so it never happens to them. And his word says I should leave my children's children an inheritance. I'll be able to do that because he's shown me. That's a good God. And that's how this works. Number three. If you're writing this down, number three. Storms and afflictions are not badges. They're not badges of honor. We shouldn't, we shouldn't wear a badge that Jesus already bore. Jesus already bore sickness, disease, and sin on the cross, and he bore it so we don't have to. Number four, the testimony is the overcoming of the storm, not the storm. I already kind of hit on those, so I'm going to move on. I want to talk to you about how we actually, I told you, I want to give you some practical things. Here's how we actually overcome the storm. And, and to do this, I want to use a story from the Bible, a storm story that you're probably already familiar with. It's Mark chapter 4. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. This is Jesus telling his disciples, we're going to go over in some boats over the waters. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along. They took Jesus along in the boat as he was. This was a normal day. He hadn't showered. He hadn't cleaned up. He went as he was. He had just preached. He just told the parables. He had just done all kinds of stuff. He went as he was. As a matter of fact, he was tired. The Bible tells us he went to the stern, the back of the boat, and he went to sleep. So there were other boats also with him. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. The boat was filling up with water, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And so they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They had already gone to death. They had just gotten the parable of the sower about 30 minutes ago, and now they're dying. How quickly? And so they go and they wake him up. Do you not care? Look, we're dying. How are you sleeping through Hurricane Hugo right now? Look, we're dying. So he wakes up. He rose. He rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And so he said to them, get this. Verse 40, get this. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He just told them about the word. He just told them. And now he says, how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the seas obey him? He had just delivered the parable of the sower. He just told them about the different types of the word and, and how the word is to be, uh, if we're good ground, how we're going to receive the word and grow. We've been preaching on this. You can go back and you can listen to those messages. But this is one of the most powerful parables he ever told. He had just delivered it. On the other side, check this out. This is cool. On the other side of the waters was the demoniac was a demon-possessed man that he was going to go cast the demon out. And in between that, the first parable that he told and going to go deliver a man and, and do countless other miracles, a storm rises up. Now you can say what you want, and obviously he doesn't acknowledge that the storm is from the devil, but clearly storms come to steal the word. And how quickly it stole it from the, the disciples. They had just gotten the most profound parable ever told. And then he says, 
You have no faith? How do you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? Notice a couple things about this. Number one, he did not pray. He did not pray. He did not wake up and said, okay, let us all circle up and hold hands and pray in the midst of this storm. He woke up knowing they had no faith. And because he is the word, full of faith, he spoke to the storm. He spoke to it. He, he, he didn't waste time with anything else. He rebuked the winds and spoke to the storm and he told it what to do. He told it how to behave. I need you to be peace. I need you to be still. So in the middle of no faith, one with faith changed everything. Storms come to steal the word. When you do something for God, when you do something good, you can bank on the fact that a storm is probably going to come and try to steal the word. I don't have time. I've only got a few minutes left. But if you've been here long enough, you'll probably hear the stories again. When we started this church, man, the attacks, the stuff that just came just out of nowhere. Flat tires, tires falling off of trailers, paint cans spilling everywhere. That one was probably my fault. People that we thought were going to be a part of this didn't show up. Things that we thought were going to happen, the expectations we had. How many of y'all ever had your expectations crushed? They were storms. But see, I had a word. I had a word. And I knew that I was doing something for God and that if I just stick through it, God's going to deliver me out of this. If I stick to faith and I stick to these principles I'm giving to you, that he's going to bring me right out of it. And he did just that. Now you can look at this a few ways. I, you can, when, when a storm comes like that, you can look at it a few ways. Like I started serving God and this is what I get. Kind of like with an attitude with a chip on your shoulder. Like this is what I get. But let me challenge you to think about it a couple of different ways. What if the storm was already coming and God connected you to a church in a word at a time to bring you out of the storm? What if he gave you the word right at the right time to bring you through the storm? You know, the Bible tells us that we should walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We're not supposed to stay in it. The other way that we can look at this is that the, the, the storm, again, is coming to steal the revelation of the word that I just got. And so we can do what Jesus did and rebuke it. But either way, many, <laughs> many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God shall deliver us out of them all. So how do we overcome the storms? Let's look at one more verse, and then I'm going to bring this all home and tie this all together. So here we go, Mark 11, 22 and 23. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Or another way, other translations, and if we're looking at this, it's actually, what he's actually saying is, have the faith of God. Have the God type of faith. Have the God kind of faith. He says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Have 
the God kind of faith, let me tell you what kind of faith it is. If you speak to the mountain, you tell it to be removed, you tell it to get out of your life, you tell it where to go, and you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that it's done, when you say it, then it's done. That's what he said. Number one, you need to build your faith. How do we overcome storms? What are the practical things we need to do? We need to build our faith. How do you build your faith? Romans tells us that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Get the word in you as much as you can. Get the word in you as often as you can. Get the word in you because the word builds faith. Maybe I'm tired and I'm falling asleep while I'm at church. Well, be there. Maybe it'll get in your spirit while you're half asleep in your subconscious. I'd rather you have that than not come at all. Because the word will build faith in you. Well, I'm not going through a storm. Get faith anyways because you're going to need it. Many are the afflictions. Someday, somehow, the devil's going to try something or you're going to walk into a situation you didn't expect and you better have faith. You better have it then, so get it now. Don't wait until it comes and then all of a sudden I need to learn about healing after I, 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 I get a, a, a bad report from the doctor. Learn about healing now. Build faith now. Pick up a book on healing now. Go to a Bible study about, uh, you know, how to, how to overcome and how to have authority over the devil now. So that when the devil attacks, I know what I need to do and why I have authority and what I'm supposed to do with it. Number two, speak. Number one, build faith. Number two, speak. Again, don't wait to speak. Start speaking now. I confessed over my little girls when they were infants. I spoke over them when they were infants, when they were babies. I'm not waiting until they're, they got the sniffles and then confess healing over them. I confessed it when they were fresh out of the hospital in a cocoon of, of healthiness in the hospital. When there was no chance of, when they, you know, they quarantined everything off in there, right? I spoke it over them then. They're going to be healthy. They're going to be prosperous. They're going to have everything they need. I'm going to be the best, best dad. My wife's going to be the best mom. They, 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 God's going to help us teach them and put the word in them so that they grow up. These are the things. I confess that and continue to confess that over them. But I started when there was nothing, when there was no adversary, when there was no problems, when there was no conditions. I started then. Number three, this may seem simple or seem like it needs to go without saying, but number three, believe. I mean, if we look at the scripture, it says that you, you need to speak. You need to have the faith of God, but then you need to speak to the mountain, tell it what to do, and you can't doubt. On the boat, he told them, why are you so fearful? You can't have fear. Now, I don't have time to go into this. Maybe it's for another sermon, but listen to me. This is a matter of the heart. Faith is a matter of the heart, matter of the spirit is what I'm trying to say. It's, it, it has to do on the inside. You know, I said this Thursday at our Bible study, having questions is one thing. But you can be in faith that God's got all the answers and still have questions. Does that make sense? You can say, God, I don't understand this right now. and I don't have the revelation from your word yet, but I trust you and I have faith in you. So I have a question, but I'm not doubting God. There's a difference. You can't get into doubt. Do not doubt in your heart. In other words, if you're confessing healing or confessing prosperity, whatever it is of your life, just asking God to help you. Maybe you just need some wisdom. God, I need wisdom on how to get through this situation. And God, your word says that you'll give me all wisdom, that I can ask for wisdom and you'll give it to me, but I don't really believe that. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You've got to believe in your heart. It's got to be a matter of the heart. So in my head, maybe I do have questions, but I can't let that get in my heart. I've got to trust God's word. And how do I get rid of doubt or fear? Y'all want to know? With the word. 
I just speak the word. I just confess the word. The word renews my mind. It renews my mind. So when I can tell that I'm not in faith, get in the word. Number four, you've got to act. Faith is an act. Faith requires action. There's speaking. See, there's speaking that happens at the beginning, but there's also action that, can, that concurs and goes with it. We must do both. We must believe and we must act. See, sometimes we act without faith and other times we believe but don't act. Do you, do you get that? Sometimes we, we, again, it's a matter of the heart. So sometimes I'm acting and I'm, hey, pastor told me to confess the word and I'm doing it, but I don't actually believe it. Then other times I believe it, but I'm not actually doing anything. I'm not, I'm not confessing the word. I'm not putting action to my faith. I'm not, I'm not going out in faith. I'm not doing, I'm not living by faith. The just shall live by faith. Sometimes we act without faith. Other times we have faith and no action. Speak and confess. Thank God. Praise God in advance for what he's already doing. Act like it's done. Act like God's word is true. And speak and confess it until you see it. Jesus always acted. When he did anything that he did, he obviously did it by faith. Again, he was the word. So obviously he had faith without measure. That's what the Bible tells us. But he was an example to us, to us of how we should operate. And get this. He said, when he left the earth, he said, greater things will you do. That means we should be doing greater things than what Jesus did. The only way that's going to happen is if we learn how to walk by faith. Build faith. Number one, build faith. Number two, start speaking. Start speaking the word. Start confessing it over your life. Confess it over your family. If you're, if you're going to school, you're going back to school, you're getting your education, speak over your classes. I get the right professors. I get the right uh, um, connections. I get the right stuff for my future job. Whatever it is God calls me to do, confess it. Start speaking. Build your faith. Start speaking. Start believing. And start acting. 